the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So I want to do a quick kind of speed recap through the things that we've been looking at. So week one, we looked at Zachariah. And Zachariah had this moment where he engaged with the angel Gabriel. And Zachariah lived his whole life dreaming of one day having a, having a kid of his own. And his wife was barren and he couldn't have a kid. And that one day, he won the national lottery. By lot, he got the opportunity to enter into the holy place as a priest and to be at the altar of incense. And they'd burn the incense and they'd fan it through the curtain into the Holy of Holies. And the idea was that as the incense went through the curtain, it made it to the mercy seat of God. And the people on the outside of the temple in Israel, they would be praying outside. And the idea of the incense being burned was that the prayers would be connected to the incense and it would be pleasing to God and that he would hear their prayer. And this crazy moment happens where Zachariah is there, the angel Gabriel is in front of him and he is saying to him like, dude, good news, God has heard your prayer, you're gonna have a son. And Gabriel is like, well, Zachariah's response is like, well, how do I know this is actually gonna happen? How do I know this is true? How do I know I can trust what you're saying? So Gabriel, hashtag puts him on mute and says, you're not speaking until this comes to pass. Baby comes, Zachariah starts prophesying and entering into joy because all those years in his life, he'd been beat down by praying for something that never came true. He's an old man now. It's not even possible really for him to have a kid in his late age at the stage he's at and his wife being barren all these years. And it's funny in life so often that you and I can go through a situation where we pray about something again and again and again and we feel like there's no change. We feel like Zachariah. And while he's fanning through the prayers of the people to God, he himself isn't believing that God hears prayer and answers prayer. It's a crazy scenario, but actually you and I will experience it all the time where we pray about something and when you pray about something over a long period of time and it seems like nothing changes, our faith starts to disappear. Zachariah, in fear, the fear of never having a child, steps into faith and encounters God's plan, God's plan. And then we switch over to Mary, this young kind of teenage girl. She could have been as young as 13 years of age or into her late teens, but most suggest she's probably between 13 and 16 years of age. And she's there, and now Gabriel, who's only been seen in the book of Daniel, is now doing the rounds in a family, and she's t- he's turning up there, and he's like, hey, great news, you know? You're gonna have a baby boy. He's gonna be the Messiah, the one that everyone's been waiting for and looking for. And she's like, wow, this is amazing. How can this be? I'm a virgin. Like, we are not, we are not active, shall we say. So how is this gonna happen? This is, this is amazing. How's this gonna go down? And then he says, hey, great. Holy Spirit's gonna come and God is, his shadow's gonna cast over you and the baby is gonna be in your womb. And like, she's like, amazing. Let it be exactly as you say. You know, let it be, let it be, let it be. No, I'm not gonna sing anymore. Someone might die. So he, he, he has this moment, the angel Gabriel with Mary and she's excited. But then we have to move to last week's talk, which is actually Joseph, because you understand, Joseph is a really key player because I want to let you know something. If me and Jody were, were, were dating and we were engaged and Joe said to me, I've got great news. The Holy Spirit has met with me and I'm having a baby. I'm like, that's not the Holy Spirit. Show me to this punk. Somebody has to die today. You know what I mean? 
Like, let's be real. Like, we all, like, I, I 100% believe the authenticity of this story, and I believe in the gospel, and I believe in the virgin birth. I totally do. But you have to understand, this is a pretty scary scenario for a young girl to be in, and for the angel to do this, and she just, in faith, is so excited, but there's got to come a point where she's got to have a conversation with Joseph. Do you know what I mean? I would, the first thing I'd have said to him, if I was Mary, I'd have said, let it be, exactly, Zion, I'm feeling you, bro. I'd have said, let it be exactly as you say. Let it be exactly as you say. But... Could you please tell me that next on your rounds, you're going to go see Joseph and you're going to tell him that God's doing this thing? She just says, let it be. Totally faith. Love that about Mary. And then Joseph. I love Joseph because he has a dream and an angel speaks to him. He was thinking, you know what? She's a lovely girl. But like this, I'm going to put this away now. We're going to call this off because like this isn't cool. But at the same time, he's not going to call her out because he's, he's not a douche. He's not looking for a pound of flesh. He's not looking for revenge. He's not looking to hurt her because in their society and context, this baby boy called Jesus grows up into a man and a woman gets caught in adultery, dragged out in front of him. And they've all got rocks and they go, there you go, Jesus, you throw, you, you deal with her, what should be done to her? Waiting for him to dash it and kill her. And he says, he was about sin, cast the first stone. They all put their rocks down. But within their culture, Mary, in this situation, if Joseph doesn't stand alongside, oh, she could get really messed up. And if she doesn't get messed up and she's allowed to live, she's kind of like a leper. She's going to be on the fringe of society. So when an angel speaks to her in that way and she's connecting with God's plan in faith, opposing fear it's a huge huge thing and Joseph is an amazing man because this isn't something that's just going to fade away and it doesn't because Jesus ends up teaching in, in the ends where he grew up and the guys look at him and they go they don't go they don't say like they go isn't this the carpenter's boy isn't this Mary's son and when they're saying that they're going you know you know who he is you know the backstory you know this guy they're throwing shade on his authenticity and how legitimate he is so today what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be looking at two different people groups. We're going to be looking at the upper crust and the lower echelons of society. So this, this baby, this moment, this birth does something crazy. It's like gravity. It just pulls all these things in. And then when we look at Matthew and Luke's gospel, we see differing aspects. In one of the gospel accounts, what we have is this baby gets born and these, these magi, these wise men turn up and they must have turned up and been so authentic and legitimate because if I'm honest with you, I would call them the foolish men. If it were me, I'd call them the foolish men. I wouldn't call them the wise men because what happens is they turn up at Herod's palace going, we're here to celebrate a new king. And Herod's like, say what? I'm the king. There's no new king, there's me. At that point, I mean, for me, it's baffling because, I mean, I just think back a few years of my life, maybe a decade ago, I was managing this little, this little shop. And what happens is over time, you get to know your customers. Someone comes in, you see them, and you're like, oh, they're going to spend a ton of money. Oh, they're going to be looking for this product. They're going to be looking for that product. And then over time, you look at some people and you go, they're going to chat to me for about 35 minutes. They are not going to buy anything and they're going to walk out of here. That person's coming in to hand out a CV. That person's coming in here and they want to stick up a poster about a circus. Straight away, in five seconds, you see the person come in the door. You've done this every day. You know who they are. You know what they want, right? And in your line of work, you can think of anyone you see in a day that you work with. Oh, I know exactly who you are. I know what you're going to be. And I know this isn't worth it. You know what I'm saying? Now, you have to understand, these, these wise men 
rock up at the palace and they actually get to see Herod. Like, you have to understand, it's a madness. Like, who rocks up at Parliament <laughs> or 10 Downing Street and goes, like, oh, yeah, just um, here to see uh, Ter- Teresa. Ter- a- 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 is there a Teresa May here? You know what I mean? Come on now, it's crazy. These guys rock up, but there must be something so authentic about them that not only they rock up, the guy who's on the door who turfs people away is like, oh yeah, you can come and see Herod with no appointment. Yeah, sure. Far away? No worries, come in. You know what I mean? They must look legit. These guys must be pimped out, dressed up. They must have, when, they, when it says that they brought gold to Jesus, it mustn't have been a small parcel. You know what I mean? Like here's one gold coin, like one of those chocolate ones. You know what I mean? It must have been like a sack load of cash that they get in to see Herod. And so these guys are there and then they must be so legit, so wealthy, so important, because when they say we're here to celebrate a new king and Herod goes, there is no new king, that should be it. See you later boys, sorry my mistake. And then they walk away forever known as the foolish men who traveled halfway across the world, following a star, ending up at the palace where there's no new king. Do you see how logic dictates? This story is insane. But Herod is like, what, there's a new king coming? And he starts bricking it. He starts calling in scribes and all these lawyers and important people and going, like, well, where would this baby come from? Where would this baby be? And then they're like, oh, Bethlehem. It says, you know, the prophets say that you're Bethlehem, you're not forgotten, that a ruler will rise up from you. And then he's like, oh my gosh. And he starts freaking out. And then he goes, hey guys, this is great. We're so happy to hear there's gonna be a new king taking my throne. What I would love you guys to do is when you find the baby, come send some peeps my way, holler at me on Twitter, and then we will come and we will pay homage and worship the baby as well. And so in that moment, they're like, yeah, sure, cool, we'll do that, we'll at you, bro, totally, just give us your, cool, save that, head on their way. They're following a star, the star leads to Bethlehem, and then they find, they find the baby in a manger. These are wise men, mad P, really influential, traveled, across countries, not cross country, across countries, to get to see this baby. And when they arrive, it's a peasant. We bought all this gold for a peasant. We bought all this for, for this. You know what, they, they, they're foolish men. They should have seen the baby and gone like, nah, wrong address, you know what, this is long. I went to a palace, the baby's not there. I've come to now some dead end in the ghetto with some like baby in a manger. Like, let's lock this off now, let's keep the pee. See you later, my mistake. Do you know what I love about this? Is it says that, the, it, it, Luke's Gospel says, these were the stories that Mary stored up in her heart. And you know what, it's these kind of moments in your life you have to store up in your heart. Because sometimes when God calls you to do something, I wanna tell you something. You can have a moment where Magi come around and give you loads of nice gifts. You can have a moment where angels sing, but later on down the line, it doesn't end up that way. Because the next thing is, Joseph has a dream and God says, you gotta leave where you live, move to Egypt, because Herod's gonna go on a rampage killing all the baby boys. And when you have to move up your house and move to Egypt where you don't wanna be, life is pretty long. And you have to remember that story in your heart that there were some magi that came one time that followed a star. Because if you don't, you won't pursue the call that God has for you. You'll be like, this is dead. This is long, this is hard, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm dead in it, I'm locking it off, I'm gonna do something else in my life. I gotta get a job in Ikea, I'm done with this. That's what you'll do, you won't push on through it because this is difficult now. And so these foolish, aka wise men, see this baby and it says that they just started to worship. 
and they start unloading all their gifts. Which is really lucky they brought that gold because that's the only way they could have ever afforded to move to Egypt. And it's the only way they've ever had money to move back from Egypt and set up a new life. Man, when I start to think about this story, it's the gravitational pull. There's something about this baby that doesn't just pull in and it still has pull today. It still has traction today. It's still pulling, it's still pulling on me. It's still pulling on maybe some of us today. This, this story still has this, it's like a planet. It just pulls you in. And so you've got these rich rulers traveling all the way across the world from the east, these wise men, to pay homage and to worship. But it's not just the wise men, is it? Because you see you have Matthew's account, you have Luke's account, and in one you've got the wise men, in the other one you've got the shepherds. And the shepherds are out watching, watching their sheep, and all of a sudden this, this angel appears. And when the angel appears, they, they, they literally brick it. Like there is a wee turtle head poking out. They are shook. They are so scared. And, and, and the angel says to the shepherds, there, there's a new king being born and um, I want you to go see the king. He just said to a bunch of peasant shepherds out watching sheep, I want you to go see the king. Like you look at these two stories and it's crazy because you, you notice how the wise men got access straight to Herod on that same day that they arrived there? You notice how they get that access to those levels? Let me tell you, there is not that access for shepherds. If Donald Trump wants to bell Theresa May, she's answering that call. If I bell Theresa May, (laughs) she's never answering that call. But these are different times. You can't just rock up and try and get in a palace going, hey, heard there's a baby, we're shepherds. Don't worry, don't worry, angels sent us, right? Could you let us in through the security door, please? Seriously, I'm telling you there are angels. No, no, okay. No, we're not terrorists. I'm not trying to bomb parliament. I'm not trying to break my way in. Seriously, I'm meant to be here. There was an angel. It's okay, men in white coats are coming for you. So these shepherds are shook, not just because they've seen an angel, but he's sending them in a dangerous, stupid mission. Do you know the point where it becomes okay for the shepherds to go? Do you know when they decide, I'm involved in this? The angel says this, you will find him swaddled in linen. Linen? Hold on a second, we swaddle our babies in linens. He'll be in a manger. Oh wow, we peasants, we put our babies in mangers. The king is one of us? Wow, do you see the gravity in this story? It starts to pull wise men from the east. It starts to pull at the lowest in their society and it starts to bring them all around and unite them around it. it. It crosses the identity of the people, the Jewish people. They had this thing about themselves where they were the center of the universe, but all of a sudden, there are wise men from the East known as Gentiles, those who are outside of the promise. They're not on the in crowd. They're, they're Gentiles, they're exiled, they're on the outside. But this baby somehow brings them all in together. And, and the crazy thing is the Apostle Paul in, in a book called Ephesians, he starts to teach and he starts to say, you know what, he says, I'm the least of the saints. I'm like, a, I'm a waste man, but yet God uses me and calls me to preach these riches to the church. But that when we worship God, we reveal, he says, the manifold wisdom of God, he says, to the powers and the principalities. What he's saying is, we reveal the manifold wisdom of God in our worship to angels. And we look at this story and what you see is angels left, right and centre. And it's, you get the feeling that the angels are in the know. You get the feeling the angels are in on this thing, that they know everything that's going on. But there's this other level to it. 
There's a difference between angels and you and I. You see, in the beginning, all the angels worshipped and followed God. Lucifer went on a mad one, took a third of them with him. Yeah, Zion is like, no, lock, lock this guy off. No, he's not. He's like, I want to preach. Let me preach. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. One, two, one, two. Might check. All of the angels worshipped. But there came a moment, you see, they never had a choice. All their worship was like robotic. It was programmed. There was no other option. Lucifer chose a different way, took his boys with him. For the first time ever, the ones that stayed were worshipping God because they chose to. Angels never go through the ringer. They don't, go, they don't get P45s. They don't go through days where they go to a food bank. They don't go through days where someone dumps them. They don't go through days where, where their heart is broken, where their lives just fall apart. They don't go through all that stuff. They're in heaven, they're with God. And you see, there's a moment that takes place that when Jesus comes, he see, they see the restoration. It's, that's why in the Bible it says that when people come to faith in Jesus and they put their trust in him, the angels worship. Because they're watching and they're like, oh my days, that person I've watched in their heart, they've been getting the poo kicked out of them the whole way along. And Paul says that when we preach the gospel, when we look at these things, we, we, we reveal to the angels the manifold wisdom of God. There's this, this story where a baby is born and yet everything changes. The theory of relativity is that the faster you go, the more compressed time becomes until it becomes instantaneous. There is this moment where stars are aligning. There's this moment where babies are born. There's this moment where God comes flesh and blood and chooses not just to live for you, but to die for you, that you might be united in something with him that will transcend any amount of Bitcoin you could ever get at his peak. Something that could transcend beyond ever having that perfect house with the picket fence, the, the boom ting and, and the, the great car and, and the whip and the job and the promotion, something that transcends all of that, something that doesn't fade away. Like you get an iPhone 8 Plus and then they bring out an X and an X Plus and a whatever and you're like, oh, this waste of a phone. Upgrade me, Lord, hook me up. You know what I mean? That's what life is like. It's always chasing the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. But Jesus comes and he gives you something that never passes away, that never fades away. And so at Christmas, it's a time of a year when even the most rich and affluent in their system and society far away came to acknowledge that something of eternal worth was happening that no one had perceived. Herod was worried about his temporary throne. Jesus had no interest in his throne. He had an interest in a throne that would never fade away, a throne that would transcend and people from every tribe and every tongue, every race, every creed, every identity would be united around. That's the gospel. That's what this time of year is about. It's a time when not only we, for the first time, discovered and explored the gospel, but for the first time, the angels peeked in and started to see in us, in our decisions. Like, listen, you guys may not understand this today, but you know, when you get absolutely defecated on by life, and yet you still choose to worship God, angels are watching going, what the heck? Because for them, they've only had the option to just worship God. And they just worship him with no pressure, no nothing. You, your world is falling apart, yet the hands still go up and you're in your house alone and you're going, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to stay in this house. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to keep this job. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to be a good dad, a, a good mom. I don't know how I'm going to be a good boyfriend, good girlfriend. I don't know how I'm a good wife. I don't know how to be a good mom, grandma, anything, all these different things. I'm, I'm, I'm falling apart. I'm losing it. But then the hands still go up and there are angels who are seeing the manifold wisdom of God carried out through what Jesus did as a baby because he was born to die. This is a time of year when we look at a lovely, cute baby and it's fluffiness in a manger. But as we've been talking about this whole series, this is about where fear encounters faith 
and we step into God's plan. And what I want to suggest to you today is that there is no decision you will ever make in your life, there's no path you'll ever choose to follow that will lead to anything significant compared to the moment when you face your fears head on and you, in faith, trust God's plan for your life. I promise you, I promise you, you may think what you have right now, what you're chasing so hard, wishing with all your heart, if I had this, it would just complete me, it would just fulfill me. I want you to know it's absolutely empty because as soon as you get it, the words of Russell Brand, when he chased celebrities his whole life, he got it, he said, it's like ashes in my mouth. Totally unsubstantial, doesn't satisfy. But yet Jesus comes and he gives us a peace, not as the world gives it, but a peace that surpasses understanding. It means in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the madness, he's there. It means in the midst of having to move to Egypt, the peace of God is with you, that you're able to push on through when, when children are being killed, when the madness is going down, when God brings your family home and you can't afford to live anywhere except in the roughest part of town, in the bits in Galilee and Nazareth where it's popping off and that's where you've got to move to and that's where you've got to live where it's scary and all your other kids are now stuck in this situation because you were highly favoured from God let me tell you Mary is so blessed among women but it's not like people tell you in church you've got to lock that off like it's not the idea of I receive Jesus and everything goes well it's I receive Jesus and I'll have eternal life something no one can take from me, something of true worth. I'm going to pray for us today, and that'll be it for this series. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that sometimes in our life it gets crazy scary, but I thank you, Lord, that in faith we get the opportunity to step into God's plan. I pray, Father God, for each one of us here, because every single one of us is facing different fears. Every single one of us is in different parts of our journey. Every single one of us is facing different obstacles. But I know the one thing that is consistent that never changes and that is that in spite of fear, in spite of circumstance, in spite of sin, in spite of failure, in spite of doubt and, and, and a lack of belief in ourselves and in who you say we are, we get the opportunity to step out into faith. And when we do, we encounter God's plan, God's plan. I just pray, Lord, that this Christmas time won't just be about ourselves, but that we would connect ourselves with your plan, knowing it's not just for our benefit, but for the benefits of our families, our communities and the world around us. Father, may we lay hold of that which is eternal in the gift that you've given in Jesus Christ, your Son, in Jesus' name. Amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.